0: Welcome to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast, where we discuss caregiving topics to build knowledge and experience to be more confident and more effective care partners and caregivers. I am your host, Dr. Kevin Kloss. I am a movement disorder and Parkinson's disease specialist in private practice. I'm also a care partner for my mom battling Parkinson's disease. Welcome to season two. Thank you for your support of this podcast. Welcome back to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Kloss. On today's show, we are going to talk about treatments for mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's disease, as well as treatments for the dementia of Parkinson's disease I'm gonna divide today's show into two parts. The first part will discuss the mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's, and then the second part will focus on the dementia treatments. So it's very common that we see patients in the office with Parkinson's disease, especially in the early to mid stages, that will come in and will discuss concerns about cognitive changes. Now these are individuals who are still caring for their own activities of daily living. They are completely independent, and most of them are still able to drive safely. But these individuals will report to me, I'm having some obvious changes in my memory. Now this is usually short-term memory, not long-term memories so much. They will say, it's just hard for me to recall information or remember short-term information, and this is really giving me some trouble. So there's clearly an insight to the problem by the patient. And the family member that's usually with the patient will agree with this problem and point out some additional observations that they have made. For instance, they may say, well, yes, my loved one, is forgetting to put things back in the proper place in the home, or my loved one forgot the appointment that was scheduled earlier today, and I had to remind them uh, several times. This falls into the category of mild cognitive impairment because it's not affecting the activities of daily living and does not require a care partner to take over certain activities to aid the patient. Now the first step in treatment is trying to figure out if this mild cognitive impairment change is truly from Parkinson's disease or from something else. So the healthcare provider will do an evaluation in the office and part of that evaluation will be talking about some of the problems that could affect one's cognitive abilities. So for instance, we will talk about sleep and if it becomes obvious that the patient is having a major disruption in their sleep cycle, perhaps they're having trouble falling asleep or they're waking up frequently throughout the night or the care partner mentions that their loved one is snoring and and stops breathing and may have sleep apnea. So we take a deep look into the sleep cycle and try to figure out if this might be influencing cognitive performance. And if so, we embark on evaluations. This may include a sleep study. And if a problem is found, treatment of the sleep problem may be the fix to the mild cognitive impairment. We also look at lifestyle issues. We look at whether the patient is engaging in exercise regularly, we look at their diet, and we look at social engagement to see if this may be somehow influencing cognitive performance. Finally, we look at the medications that a patient may be taking, and this is oftentimes the source of the problem, and the remedy is to look for alternative treatments for the patient. So as we look at this medication list, and as a caregiver, you can uh, look at your loved one's medication list as well, and identify some of the medications that you want to bring to the healthcare provider's attention, and say, is this a medication that could be affecting my loved one's cognitive abilities? Can we consider something different? Is this a have-to-take medication at this time? So common examples of this would be medications for pain. So uh, typically we look at the narcotic medications, but some patients are even taking non-narcotic prescription pain relievers, such as Tramadol. We look at antihistamine medications. Some patients use Benadryl for sleep at night. Others are using antihistamines for other reasons, but these type of medications have the potential to influence cognitive performance when we're dealing with Parkinson's disease. We'll look at other classes of medications such as the anti-anxiety medications, the clonazepam, Xanax, Valium, lorazepam, and others. We look at muscle relaxants such as Flexoril or cyclobensaprine. We look at Xanoflex, Soma, and and many other uh, named muscle relaxants. We also look at the anticholinergic medications. Some of these are used in Parkinson's disease, drugs like benztropine, also sold as cogentin. Another uh, potential medication in this group is trihexilfenadol or artane. And then the anticholinergic medications used for bladder function may be the problem. We look at drugs like oxybutynin, detrol, and vesicare, as well as others that could be influencing cognition as well. There are some heart rhythm medications, antidepressants, and drugs that are used for pain such as uh, neuropathy type pains, drugs like gabapentin or Neurontin, drugs like Tegretol or carbamazepine, uh, drugs that are used for tremors such as primidone, topiramate, and zonisamide. So a good review of the medication list is always a great idea when we're, when we're confronted with this particular problem. And... Oftentimes, a solution may be found just with a modification of medications. So these measures are the first step in treating your loved one's mild cognitive impairment. Now the second step, if we're unable to uncover um, any of these particular problems, is to do a uh, brief medical workup. This will typically involve brain imaging Either with a CAT scan or an MRI of the brain. Here we're looking for conditions that could affect cognition, such as small strokes, um, something called a subdural hematoma, which is bleeding on the top of the brain's surface. This may be a result of a fall uh, or a what may seem like a minor head injury, but This may result in a bleed that could slowly grow and cause cognitive impairment. We look for brain tumors and other pathology as well. And then we typically do some blood workup. We look at blood counts with a complete blood count, CBC, a chemistry profile. We test for vitamin B12 level, thyroid function, and sometimes we add additional studies, such as a spinal fluid examination and other laboratory tests, depending upon the clinical situation. So again, we're looking for secondary causes of cognitive impairment that may be responsible for the changes, uh, as opposed to it being directly a result of the Parkinson's disease. Now, if all of this comes back negative and we are now confident that uh, our loved one has mild cognitive impairment caused by Parkinson's disease, this is where um, a number of studies have been performed and reported in the medical literature uh, regarding um, treatment for this particular problem. First medication that was uh, studied is a drug called ribostigmine, also known as Exelon. This was a study performed by Dr. Weintraub and colleagues. It was published in the Movement Disorder Journal in 2015. They studied in a randomized controlled trial format a small group of patients with Parkinson's disease and mild cognitive impairment. They had about 28 patients in this study And they were followed for 24 weeks and compared the two groups, the placebo group versus the ribostigmine uh, group, and they found no significant difference at the end of the study on all cognitive endpoints that were used in the study. A second study uh, that was reported, also a 24-week study, this time looking at rasagiline, or Azelect in a randomized controlled trial. This was performed using um, evaluations of cognitive performance. The study medication was the risagiline at one milligram daily compared to placebo, and they had 151 patients enrolled in this particular study, but again, no improvement was found or no change was found in the risagiline group compared to placebo. Another study looked at a drug called Dratera. This is a drug that is a selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. It's used to treat attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And it was studied in a group of Parkinson's disease with mild cognitive impairment patients. They had about 30 patients in this randomized controlled trial using a dose of 80 milligrams per day. It was published in 2017 in the Movement Disorder Clinical Practice Journal. And again, no difference was found between the two groups. A few supplements have been studied formally. One is creatine and the other, coenzyme Q10. A study was published in 2015. And again, no obvious benefit was found In this patient group. So at this time in 2022, we unfortunately do not have any medications on the market that are proven to slow the progression of mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's disease, as well as no treatments approved by the FDA or the European Medicine Agency, the EMA to treat mild cognitive impairment symptoms. So patients will commonly ask me, well, what about doing some type of cognitive therapy? Um, They may have talked to their speech pathologist or neuropsychologist about cognitive training. And there are four randomized clinical trials that have been published in reputable journals looking at various cognitive exercises and these uh, exercise trainings were focusing on executive function, attention skills, visual spatial skills, and was performed in a format of a computer-based model. These studies were typically performed anywhere from four to eight weeks in duration and none of the trials found any sign of improvement for the patients receiving this type of treatment. And then we talk about exercise and physical therapy. A randomized clinical trial was performed looking at exercise. In this particular study published in 2018 by Da Silva and colleagues, they looked at using treadmill exercise for 60 minutes, a session, three days a week. And after evaluation of these individuals that were on the treadmill receiving aerobic exercise, they found improvement in global function, processing speed, attention, and mental flexibility. There was another single blind pilot study reported in 2016 that also looked at treadmill walking. The a treadmill walking was performed 45 minutes, three days a week, for three weeks of duration. And in this small study, they found an improvement in executive function, but all of the other cognitive domains remained the same. Then a randomized clinical trial of 76 patients used recumbent bike in one group versus walking and stretching in another group. The recumbent bike was used for 60 minutes, three days a week for a 12-week study. And in this particular study, they did see improvement in executive function but no difference in learning or memory functions. There's an ongoing study looking at rock steady boxing in a randomized control trial, and we're waiting for the results of this particular study. And then a randomized clinical trial published in 2019 by Evan Ali and colleagues, looked at 40 patients receiving physical therapy The physical therapy involved 60-minute sessions, six times a week for four weeks, and it included an aerobic exercise component to the 60-minute sessions. And here they found an improvement in global cognition and memory function. So when we look at the evidence in the medical literature overall, we are left with one treatment recommendation for this group of patients diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's disease, and that is aerobic exercise. So aerobic exercise, whether it's in the format of a physical therapy session or whether it's done on a treadmill or recumbent bike, does show clear evidence to benefit patients with their symptoms of cognitive impairment. Particularly, we see the best results in executive dysfunction, which is quite common in early and mid-stage Parkinson's disease. Unfortunately, at this time, we don't have any evidence to support a prescription medication for MCI or mild cognitive impairment of Parkinson's disease, and there are no disease-modifying treatments on the market as well. Now I'm going to shift to talk about the Parkinson's disease dementia treatments currently available. Many of you know that there is a prescription drug approved by the FDA in the U.S., as well as approved in the European countries, in Canada, and in Japan, and that is the drug ribostigmine, also known as Exelon. A randomized controlled trial of 410 people with mild to moderate dementia from Parkinson's disease were studied by Emory and colleagues, and their report was published in the New England Journal of Medicine back in 2004. This trial showed improvement in cognition on multiple different domains, and this eventually resulted in the approval for this indication. If you look at other similar medications such as Danipazil, also sold as Aricept, we see conflicting results in the medical literature. And so at this time, Danipazil is not FDA or EMA approved for Parkinson's disease, dementia, but We do see this medication being used quite often in the medical clinics, and there are certainly some individual patients that have reported benefits from these similar medications. So it's important that the healthcare provider decides what's best for the patient as far as this type of prescription medication. And then many families will ask about a drug called memantine, Memantine is approved for treatment of Alzheimer's disease, dementia. In Parkinson's disease, dementia, there are three studies. One was a randomized controlled trial that showed no significant difference in the use of memantine versus placebo. Um, One study uh, was published in the Journal of Geriatric Psychiatry in 2015, showing some improvement in attention and episodic memory with the use of this medication, but more studies are needed to understand the role of this medication in Parkinson's disease dementia. It's important to also point out that if you look at the compound of memantine, also known as memenda, it is very similar to the compound of amantadine. And so Uh, Some of our patients may already be taking amantadine to treat the motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease, and therefore additional um, drugs such as mimantine would not be necessary in in that particular situation, but certainly the healthcare provider should discuss this uh, further with the patient and uh, caregivers. So The Movement Disorder Society published an evidence-based treatment recommendation publication in 2019 looking at all of the available treatments that could be considered for dementia or Parkinson's disease, and they concluded that the only scientific evidence that we have thus far is for the drug ribostigmine or Exelon. Of course, exercise continues to be an important treatment as well, not just for the MCI group of Parkinson's patients, but also for people with dementia from Parkinson's disease. And exercise should be continued if found to be safe for this individual as long as possible. We certainly need more medications to help us both with the MCI and dementia, Parkinson's disease. And fortunately, there are many clinical trials ongoing at this time, internationally, looking for better treatments to help our loved ones with this important problem. I think the take-home points from today's uh, treatment review is, number one, if you detect cognitive changes in your loved one or if your loved one is reporting to you some concerns about their cognition, it's important that you go to the healthcare provider and receive uh, a good workup. This workup will involve a review of their lifestyle situations, including sleep, a screen for depression. This may include imaging of the brain and laboratory studies, a good review of the medication list, and then um, Discussion about an exercise program would then be an important one to have with your loved one because this is the only proven therapy so far for the mild cognitive impairment. Then when we move into uh, the early stages of dementia, we should discuss the role of uh, rivastigmine or similar medications with our healthcare provider to see if this may be an option for our loved one. The exercise program should continue and we should encourage our loved one to continue to be engaged as much as possible socially with loved ones and friends. I think a good program in helping our loved one continue to learn seems to be an important step in helping. Cognition for all of us, not just if we have Parkinson's disease. One of my patients years ago was a retired physician and he was no longer learning in the context of his medical practice, but he decided to go to a small community college and take classes in botany and got into gardening and other outdoor activities and use this particular interest of his to learn new information and new skills to keep his mind as sharp as possible as he was dealing with the early stages of Parkinson's disease. So I think lifetime learning is also an important treatment consideration. We certainly don't have any randomized clinical trials on this, but I think it's good advice to pass along your loved ones as well. Well, I hope this information will help you as you guide your loved one in looking into treatment avenues for cognition in Parkinson's disease. Thank you for joining us this month on these sessions, and we look forward to a new topic next month. Thank you for your support of this podcast. If you are learning from this podcast and enjoying The material on this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. If you think we are doing a good job and deserve it, you can leave up to a five-star review of this podcast on Apple. If you would like to suggest future topics for this podcast or guests that you would like to see interviewed on this podcast, please email pdcaring.com. Help at gmail.com. We do not receive any funding from pharmaceutical companies or industry so that we can provide you with unbiased content and content that you can trust. These shows are brought to you at no cost to you. We thank you for your support of this podcast. This podcast is not designed to diagnose or treat any particular individual or condition, but hopefully the information will help you as a loved one caring for a family member or friend with Parkinson's disease. Thank you for joining the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. Please visit pdcaring.com for more information. And remember, you are a better Parkinson's disease caregiver than you think.